When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello folks and welcome to the Metallica Report. I'm Stefan Shirazi, editor of the band So What magazine. And I'm Renee Richardson, director of philanthropy for Metallica's foundation, all within my hands. This is your official weekly Metallica podcast, the only inside source, bringing you all the news from the band's HQ and studios deep in the heart of Northern California. Massive thanks to our Spotify fans. We asked you about your favorite Ross Halfin Metallica photo and uh, a lot of cool responses. Sydney Jones says the group shot that is on Master Puppets from 1986. Jason Watson says there's one from Glastonbury that he is actually in, which he thinks is very cool. And Peja and Gianni Adamo. They concur that the photos of Cliff showing two fists towards the camera, but also that photo of James standing in front of the crowd on the edge of the stage and everyone is saluting him with those metal horns. Like these are iconic images, all thanks to Ross. Yeah, absolutely. I've got to say there's one in his Black Album book, which is a silhouette of James on stage. It's just brilliant. Gorgeous. So good. Yeah. So many. Um, I've got to say that cliff image, it is iconic, isn't it? The two <laughs> fists, it really is. And it was it actually featured in last week's record because, of course, we had the Brazilian banner That's and right. the vocal isolation That's booth, right. which is based on that very, very famous Ross Halfin picture. So Spotifyers, as always, great to hear your answers and we'll have more of them next week, I'm sure. So let's get into this week's episode, which is a sit down with photographer extraordinaire and Metallica's longest serving photographic documentarian, Ross Halfin. And look, I'm just going to lay it out straight. We all know this, but I'm going to state it. They broke the mold when they made Ross, right? And I mean that in all the positive ways. Oh my God. He's so unique. He's such a character. I finally got to know him a little in person on tour last year. And not only his uniqueness and awesome photography, but he has amassed a collection of Metallica memories, which are definitely comprehensive. I mean, if you think about it, if Ross wasn't there shooting a Metallica event over the last few decades, then there probably wasn't really an event, <laughs> if you get what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Oh, it couldn't oh, be one without him. It's it's not as much of a stretch to say that as you'd think. It's not just Metallica that Ross has been photographing for decades at this point. He was there snapping The Who and Led Zeppelin in the 70s, Aerosmith, Iron Maiden. And, and Iron Maiden was probably the first metal band that he became synonymous with, right? That's fair to say, right? I think it is for sure. I mean, and look, I mean, we could we could spend a whole pod talking about his career, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is not a band he hasn't photographed. And I can tell you all, that means there's not a story he doesn't have to tell. <laughs> That's right. I mean, that would be, I mean, if Ross ever decided to do a book uh, or, you know, what something like that, boy, it would be a corker, I've got to tell you. A corker. 
I never heard that before. A corker. <laughs> I will say, hearing you guys sit down together, this is an accent-rich podcast you guys are going to love. <laughs> all right? And and it should be noted that, that you know, going back to, to Ross's connection to Maiden, it, that's really what brought that meeting to Metallica around because Lars loved Maiden. Maiden was shot by Halfin, so Lars wanted Metallica to be shot by Halfin. Yeah, that's absolutely the measure of it. I mean, and look, uh, there's so much more to say, but it's probably best that we just get to the conversation that yeah, please. that you and I had with him, right? Which it <laughs> yeah. was back on Valentine's Day of all the days. I remember uh, you and I having a good old chuckle about that. Yeah, nothing <laughs> the timing says was exceptional. <laughs> nothing says Cupid like Ross Halfin. <laughs> so let's get to it. Indeed, let's do it. We started things off by asking Ross about that first door of opportunity opening uh, to work with Metallica before we embarked on all sorts of subjects. Let's face it, Renee, he's a good storyteller. I can't say it enough. I cannot. I cannot. That he is, with a wicked sense of humor. We'll get back to the beginning where you, Steph, asked him about some early days stuff. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, 
you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Let's talk about the first time you saw that door or presented with that door, which I believe was back in 1984. Just, you know, when you approached them, just give the listeners a vision of where you were at that time, where they were at that time and how the chemistry worked for that, say, that first year or two. Well, the first time I shot them was in El Cerrito to do, they'd finished Ride the Lightning and I ended up shooting them in an alleyway, which became a 12-inch cover that cover and then I shot them in the kitchen of their house and I was trying to do I had no idea how to shoot them because I had no real rapport with them I just met them so I thought they looked like children which they sort of were and I had a good connection sort of with the drummer because he was European and Kirk but the other two were like okay with me but you know, standoffish in a weird way. And I, my idea was to shoot them like a beggar's banquet, the Rolling Stones, the gatefold of this food. So I ordered all this Chinese food, put it on the table, did the picture, then they ate it all. <laughs> so you, didn't know, you didn't know how hungry they were. <laughs> right. Actually, and literally just and hungry. Because I was like the person with the money, I had to go and buy some more. They had no money. But what, but what was quite impressive... So hang on. So that, so that so that food we see is a second amount of food? They literally second ate the first food. amount? Yeah, yeah, they ate the first <laughs> amount. And then we like delved into it. And then they were quite impressed. The only thing slightly created, gave me some cachet with them, was they had a picture of mine, a Michael Schenker poster on the wall and a motorhead, or you, a motorhead poster, I think it was, or maybe it was Ted Nugent or something, but there was a couple of posters on the living room wall that I'd done. So that was sort of, you know, with the other two, Cliff and James, you know, and particularly Kirk, yeah, and Michael Schenker. But I think Lars wanted me because I always did Iron Maiden. Let's not lie. Mm. Lars can sit there and say he likes all these bands now, but his favourite band are Maiden. And they still like the first three. Lars likes all the later Maiden albums. The others like the first three. And, you know, as you get older, you do go back to what you really liked. Absolutely. I mean, I've got to jump in. What sort of questions were they asking you about? And I mean, I want to ask you about like Ted Nugent versus Michael Schenker shooting Ted Nugent. Oh, no, no. It was more about UFO and made it. Was, I can't remember. I don't remember. I remember that evening and Kirk says, denies this, but it's true. I went out with Lars and Kirk and I took them to a sushi bar. They never had sushi, which Kirk sits and said, no, we've they hadn't. You know, there were very meat and potatoes at that point. And the other two are still meat and potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) But it's funny, I look at the pictures now, and I never noticed it at the time, but Cliff Burton was very much the adult presence in the pictures. Mm. At the time, and I remember the direction I got from management was get the guy to take off his flare jeans. They look terrible. The statement from Hugh Prime was to get him to take off these jeans. And I always failed. I gave up in the end, and I'm glad he never took them off. Right. But this is really uncool. He's got to take those jeans off. Leave the jean jacket, get him out of those jeans. And that was impossible. Mm. He actually doubled down. I think the flares got a little bigger. Yeah, no, I do. I think they got a little really? bit generally. Yeah. yeah, talk a little bit about your relationship with Cliff because obviously you're known and and you know we we've talked about it on the M72 tour and some of the book appearances. But it's always a great story to hear about those 
classic photos you took with Cliff. But dive in a little more, if you will, about your relationship with him, because you did you had a good relationship with him, didn't you? I did a very good relationship with him, but he was the one I at the beginning, the relationship, the least because I had more in common with the other three and he was very slightly back. But then the fact that I'd shot Sabbath a lot and you geese a butler greatly impressed him. It really did. And by the end of, you know, before he died, we had a good relationship. He would always do stuff for me, whatever I wanted. He was very funny under the surface of it all. And one of the things I remember, and this particularly came from James and Lars. They were playing the Palladium opening for Armoured Saint. And I told him Giza was in the crowd. That's so good. And I've never seen anyone so nervous in his life. Uh. And when he did his bass solo, he was really he was really nervous and really thrown. And he was really like, you know, worried. <laughs> was he good? Was it a good solo? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the show. You know, people go on about bands. Oh, you know, we blew them off. They couldn't follow us. That is so untrue. You know, in any headline band I've ever seen, no support act has ever blown them off because people have paid to see the headline band. It's rubbish. It's it's fantasy. But it's only happened once for me, and that was twice, and that was both times Metallica, and that was at the Palladium, and it was a hometown show for Armored Saint. They could not follow them. And then on the Justice Tour, when they started opening up for that stadium run. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Giant Stadium, I remember this, in New York and at the LA Coliseum, a good 20% of the audience started leaving <laughs> once Metallica had played. And I was like, wow, there is something. They aren't doing something wow. right. And really... I've never seen that ever with any other band ever to this day. Yeah. You know, all these bands, you know, we kicked their ass, we blew them off. It's rubbish. Yeah. And the only band, the band I've ever seen that happen is twice, like I just said, and that is Metallica. And that's true. You know, you kind of brought up shooting the guys in that more controlled environment of El Cerrito in the house and then the live scenario that you've been able to to shoot for, for so many years. What's your preference? Do you have a preference? Do the, when you're shooting, do you, prefer to do uh, the live show to the, the more controlled? I have no preference. I can do any. I like to think I can do anything. One of the things that I think is sadly missing at the moment is we used to go out and just let's go off somewhere and do stuff. Lars was yeah. all great instigator of that. I'm hoping as this tour progresses that we can get back to going out and doing stuff. Look, truthfully, getting them in America to walk down a street and stand on a street corner without a thousand people bothering us, it's not going to happen. They're too big, big an entity now. But I think the last time we did a big thing was in Lisbon and in Australia. It was on Death Magnetic. But we do it every uh, every show. And I think that is sadly lacking and missing from what I like to do for them at the moment. Let me tangent for a moment on this, because I think something that's never said enough about what you do and what you've done is that you are, you can't really live without your camera. I've seen you, this, it's it's sort of your voice and, and you, you're you constantly moving with the camera and you've expanded that into a lot of what, you know, I suppose travel photography is that doesn't even really capture it, but you're always working and you're always looking and you're always looking for a story, wherever it is, wherever you are, whatever town. When you look at rock photography now, do you think that it lacks that like real passion and real drive? Do you think there are enough people with proper voices who have things to say? Because it seems that the longer your career's gone, the more you've had to say about more things. 
I think about when you first started shooting this band, you weren't speaking about what you're seeing around you. But now, my word, well, is, some of the stuff I you think, post is, is outstanding. Thank you. But I think the problem with now is the digital age where everything's disposable. And there's also everyone thinks they could do it on an iPhone. Yeah, right. Lars After Show wants pictures now. And I think the problem is no one's taken any time to expose properly with the, you know, with what you take, do the exposure. And it's just, that'll do, bang, that'll do, bang, that'll do, bang. And it's gone tomorrow. And it la- and it takes away from the art of it. It takes away from what, what is special about the picture. Everything's becoming a bit disposable. And that takes away from the art of what you do. And I always like to think with Metallica, there's a, so if you look at it over the years, there is an art to them, but it's all become a bit too rushed. Everything's rushed and there's no thought process put into it, really. I mean, I like to think, give me some time. And I have this girl, Kaz, that works for me, they all like. And she knows exactly how I like my photographs to be exposed and look. And the colour, you know, when you do digital, you have to add the colour. It's not there properly, correctly. And she knows exactly, she can send stuff to James and he'll like every one. She can send stuff to Kirk and he'll like, you know, Rob Trujillo. She can send stuff to Lars and he won't reply. <laughs> True. And, you know, so we end up not sending stuff to Lars, just <laughs> put it up. And then he then he doesn't really, you know. And Which is the ultimate sign of trust, I suppose, that he just... Yeah, in a sort of weird way. He did come up to me. I made them do a lineup shot when they did download because you could see the clouds and, you know, the big towers. Mm. And Lars came up to me in Gothenburg and said, hey, you put that picture up. It wasn't approved. I said, yes, it was. And he went, who by? I went, me. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't work out if he was sort of like, thought about it for a sec. But he sort of got it, you know. And what good would the picture have been 10 days later? There is an element of trust, and they do trust me. And, you know, I like to think they do anyway at the end of the day. With, you know, look, without being arrogant, I know how to take a Metallica picture. And I know what the audience like to see from Metallica. And I know what is a good Metallica photo and what isn't a good Metallica photo, where people just think they can go bang, 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 and they've got Metallica. You have not. Are they a particularly unique band compared to others that you work with? Are they especially idiosyncratic? Um, are they like, you know? No, they're not idi- idiosyncratic. As they've got older, it's got more contained. You know, when you're younger, you're like, let's go and do this. And then it gets, you know, they always go, yeah, that's a good idea. And then it never happens. Mm. It, so it's a machine now, a big, big, machine rolling machine metallica that you know look at the stadium shows and when i first saw the new tour in the round i was like you got to be joking you know what am i going to do with this and now when i've shot it i actually look forward to it because it takes about 10 shows to figure out what it is and now i know what it is and i know how to work it i remember the first time i saw them in the round on the black album and i was like oh this is awful but then after a while you get you know what you're doing. You 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 instinctively go with it. And when they're out of that, it throws you a bit because your mindset is that, I think. Yeah. Do you notice that as you're taking pictures of the first 10 shows of a tour and then it goes on, do you notice them also going through the same stuff? Do they loosen up a little bit? And oh, yeah, they- of course they loosen up. I mean, the first beginning of that tour, they're playing the guitar and they're going, you know, they're looking at their hands because they don't know the songs. <laughs> so they're all, you know, they're all like, 
they're not moving around the stage naturally yeah. they're sort of they're more static mm. where now they're comfortable with the stage and they can play the songs naturally but when they add a new song which they haven't played it's all it's like they're in a rehearsal room it's quite funny and it's true it's true of any band i remember aerosmith doing japan about 15 years ago and he added four songs from their early days and they're all standing on stage doing exactly the same no one's moving and you think that bands know these songs but they they don't because they haven't played them since they made the record so they have to learn everything you know and even though they've made a new album they haven't tested it in an audience yeah when they're adding new songs, they have to make sure it works and then make sure, and then they figure out how it works in the show. Briefly, you brought up Kaz. The reason I use assistants mainly live is that I want to focus on them. I don't want to focus on what's next to me, who's coming over the barricade, what's going on, whether, you know, I shoot with three cameras. I want to have one camera, have the other, and I want to focus on directly what's in front of me especially on big shows. But Casio's mainly has worked for me for 25 years. She's mainly does archiving for Metallica for me. And she adjusts the pictures, you know, and sends them to them, sends them to management. And she knows exactly what they like. So really, the only assistant I really have, I I may have another person in the pit because Casio's older, but it's Casio Horry. And she knows them as well as I know them. She really does. We should tell people, just to say say to people, I mean, the two of you on tour are absolutely unique and it's, 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 yeah, it's always an absolute blast when you and Kaz are out. It's a blast. And it's also a really, a real uptick in energy, I think. Oh, totally. I mean, it just changed. I mean, if everyone's a bit glum or whatever, if it's a touring day, when the two of you come in, it's just like there's a... There's... Well, I, don't, I think it's more her because she doesn't care. You know, yeah, she really you know, perhaps, really perhaps, but it, but, but no, like she, all, does care. she does care. That's not she cares. true. She cares. She just like you do. You both care. Yeah, That's but, why it but, works. I mean, she's good at, I'm good at disarming, but she's better at disarming. <laughs> Townsend of the Who once said to her, Oh my God, where on earth did you learn your English? She went from him, you know, <laughs> there you go. So I'm going I'm to give you a chuckle here. I am giving you a blank check. And I'm giving you the band members will do whatever you want, go wherever you want for a photo session. You know, you've got like 72 hours, you've got three days. Where is it going to happen? Where is the dream like bucket list place to bring this band and do a shoot with them? How would it work? How would it be? What would it look like? White Sands, New Mexico, because I think it would look really unusual. And I've been there four times, but I've never really been there properly with a band. That would look. And that's where Bowie filmed The Man Who Fell to Earth. You could really get something out of that with them and Easter Island. But I think not so much locations, just you could get more out of them. Easter Island, because it's so it's the most remote island in the world. And White Sands, New Mexico, because it's so unusual. And you could make really do stuff that would really look iconic. It'd be I mean, incredible. No, it'd be yeah, incredible. Yeah. I agree. It'd be incredible. Did you not go? You went to Easter Island recently, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I've been to both. Yeah, yeah, I've been to both. And I, and I just think it would be good to do something there with them away from everyone. 
can go to both those places and do pictures and people aren't going to go, whoa, it's Metallica and run out, you know. Which I remember happening in Mexico. I mean, I, I, I mean, I've seen it happen in many places, but I do remember the pyramids in Mexico City or outside Mexico oh, City. Yeah. I remember that. That was insane. And yeah, that, that would definitely be an issue, wouldn't it? I suppose the older you get as a band, the less you want to deal with that. And that's just a well, domino effect of negativity for everyone. I, I become intolerant to it and you become less intolerant. And it isn't just people walking up wanting an autograph. It's people want to walk up and film you and they want to walk up and, and they won't go away. And then you're polite for a minute and then they're like, and it, and it really is hard to do pictures. I did some pictures of Batadane and Otto all together, you know, outside the vodka room when I did a thing at Book Soup. And it started off okay. And then I looked down to some guy between my legs with an iPhone. But I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, seriously, I mean, people have no respect. And you ask them to go away, the more they got arrogant, the more they became very arrogant and very entitled. And it's like, look, it's my photo shoot, not yours. Have some respect for it. You might have to start renting that space. The, the one between your legs, you're crouching, taking pictures. Unbelievable. That is that is absurd. That's abs- I mean, I mean that's, just, that, 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 that's what you're up against now, is it? But hopefully this year we can go and do something more yeah. involved and properly, you know. Well, so. White Sands, New Mexico is within the, the you know, within the United States. So hope springs eternal for that, for sure. But um, the best photograph you've taken of Metallica and the worst photograph you've taken of Metallica. So maybe the one you like the most or maybe the one you like the least. My favourite picture of Metallica is them intoxicated, having a good time. You can't say intoxicated. Can we say intoxicated? Sure. The- I think Coming back from Russia where they've got where Lars had whacked his hand on the kit and bled on it and he's got a Band-Aid on it and Kirk's kissing it and James is looking manic wearing Johnny Colt from the Black Crow's hat he'd borrowed behind them. That is my favourite picture of Metallica because that is what I think is naturally like them when they're at their most fun. That to me is a spontaneous picture that I really like if I had to pick a picture of them that I thought was, I like that picture. Never happened now. But I just, you know, that picture, the worst picture I've taken of them. Pick one. So pick one and go for it. Well, there's some stuff early on on the Black Album where they're all, they're all like growling and looking, trying to look very metal. Is that the right way to put it? I don't know. Got, I don't really like any of them. Okay. I think I think they're, they haven't stood the test of time very well. You know, Very good. I, I know exactly, you know, exactly the way to put it. One of my uh, my other favourite pictures, I've just thought of it, as a picture of where they're in a temple in Japan on the puppets tour and Lars is crouched and they, we found, we had a little girl who was dressed up in her kimono and she's crying. <laughs> that's one of my favourite pictures. If you look at that, that's a perfect Metallica picture. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> You know, she's in tears. So Very good. That, that I really like if I had to off the top of my head. And then when I did them, we went out to Faro in Portugal on the Black Album for the weekend and did pictures. Any of that stuff's good because we were so away from everyone. They were very relaxed. I like all of that. All of that stuff's good. Very good. And again, as we, uh, as I mentioned to people listening, this we're recording this on St. Valentine's Day which is the day of love. And we're talking about Metallica on a Metallica pod. We've been around these people for many, many years. I would like to know, what do you love about Metallica the most, Ross? In the spirit of St. Valentine's Day, loving. Loving? Because underneath it all, they love me. 
I'm full of love for Metallica and love is all around. Always remember that. And Metallica love their audience. Yes, that's right. They tell us every time, don't they? Metallica loves you, baby. Metallica loves you, baby. Never forget that. Metallica loves me, baby. I think so anyway. Wow. My word, with that message of love from Ross rounding us <laughs> off, which is so good. I mean, it's, it, was, it was the perfect, the perfect thing coming from him, I thought. Look, I've got to say, he's never less than good value. The truth is, when we look back over the decades, I think it's really fair to say that Ross's relationship with Metallic has been and continues to be you know, a fruitful, eventful, incredible and exceptionally unique one. He's unique. They're unique. You put two unique factions together from the very, very beginning like that. And how could it be anything less than special, right? Yeah, yeah. And we're just incredibly grateful, I mean, for his talent and being able to show us Metallica through his eyes. We really appreciate that. Yeah, quick note. I love the fact, I just got to throw this in. I love yeah. the fact that you talked about Kaz and threw some light on Kaz because she <laughs> utterly she's the deserves bomb. it. Oh, she's a ledge, which that's sort of British slang for legend. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and I've got to say, and I know that Ross greatly appreciates her you can tell and look if any of you out there ever get the chance to watch this dynamic duo in action you deserve you deserve to treat yourselves because it's wonderful yeah great team great team great team all right and you know what else is great winning chris Kantz of prussia pa was a lucky recipient of the exclusive metallica merch package last month and he sent us an awesome photo of his Metallica room. And he sent a note that says he got a very, very cool batch of stuff from Met Club. So this is a reminder to you that people really win these things and you can too. So head over to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica to enter. That's us. We're out of time. So until next week, see see ya. The Metallica Report is produced by Metallica HQ, Pantheon Media, and PopCult. If you like what we're doing here, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to visit Metallica.com slash podcast to submit your questions, offer your thoughts, and become a part of this podcast. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Points.